we're looking forward to our conversation right now with 28 degrees at 617 with Mary Kramer. Mary Kramer, of course, Crane Communications Group publisher extraordinaire and brought to you by Varnum Law. Business law experts that are in your corner. Visit VarnumLaw.com, V-A-R-N-U-M, VarnumLaw.com. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Paul W. I see the big trucks on the front page of the current Cranes Detroit business dated March 18th through the 24th, CranesDetroit.com. The big trucks and the headline, Do Big Rigs Hammer Roads? Chad Livengood took a look at this. What say you? Well, what say Chad? I think when Chad started this, he probably thought, what many of us, including me, thought, and that is that we see these huge trucks and that the weight of the trucks is is one of the reasons that the roads are so in such poor condition. But when he really looked at the numbers um, and the permits, uh, it it did appear that just 2% of the entire statewide fleet in Michigan is uh, can exceed 145,000 pounds. They reached the 164,000-pound maximum weight. So if you really look at the numbers, this story has a lot of interesting factoids. But it also has that these trucks, you know, they they have uh, uh, fees, that registration fees that are annual that don't seem very high to me. Um, maybe uh, th- under $4,000 for an 11-axle uh, tractor trailer. But they're going to be paying a lot more for diesel fuel. So the story kind of looks, it challenges the assumption that it's the heavy st- trucks we want to blame somebody right but i think it's just years of neglect really that's that's our that's our problem here in michigan there are a lot of reasons that our roads are crumbling and and uh, trucks have their role i don't care if there's 500 or one if one truck goes over and causes a little bit of a hole or a problem that's just going to grow right Um, so i mean it just makes good sense scientifically that if there's something a lot heavier than everything else, it's going to have a different impact on the roads. I'll let them continue to argue that. <laughs> I'll let them continue to argue at Wayne State, too. Can't we all just get along? Oh, man, I'll tell you. You know, for, for people who are thinking, what is the big deal with this? Well, partly it is, it, the next time you're in your doctor's office, look at the diplomas on the wall. And I'll bet you, at least half of the time, it's going to be either Wayne State University or University of Michigan. Um, Wayne State produces uh, so many of the physicians practicing in southeast Michigan. And the medical school has been losing money, and they're trying to create. And and we don't know what's going to happen with the Detroit Medical Center. It's for-profit now. It used to be non-profit. So the, the university's been trying to work out a deal with Henry Ford. What Jay Green reports this week is that over more than a year, there are some folks on the board, elected members of the board, they're in a minority, but they're elected members of the board who have been pushing for Wayne State to simply buy the Detroit Medical Center. Wow. Where the money comes from. That's a good question. (laughs) You know, and and so it's, it's, uh, I talked to somebody over the weekend who said he had been in some of these meetings and he said it was really hard to keep a straight face because the the concept is is not feasible but um <laughs> don't you hate it when you're in meetings where it's hard to keep a straight face <laughs> yeah well this i think for this person it was pretty important that that he do <laughs> he do that very thing uh but anyway so it's 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 an interesting story it'll it it it's 
It's important to the the region's future, though, because the medical school is really um, a jewel at Wayne State and trying to create something new, a, a new entity between Henry Ford and Wayne State that would bring more research dollars in, make sure that students going to the medical school at Wayne have clinical placements. It, it's a win-win, but not to everybody, apparently. Apparently. Uh, who knew that we're on the air, blown off steam and criticizing NFL referees for one reason or another, that one of them might be listening. Oh, isn't that funny? I, I was. This is such a great story by, by Bill Shea uh, interviewing Ron Torbert, who by day is a legal counsel at Barton Mallow Construction, and he's the general counsel. And on the weekends... He's probably, my guess is, he's probably one of the only NFL referees and officials on the field who has a degree from Harvard because that's where he got his law degree. I would agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a great story about how he started um, refereeing at high school and college games while he was going to Michigan State as an undergrad, and it's just developed from there. But he has this dual role. He's He's a corporate guy during the week, and then he's on the field. Uh, you know, he was at the, um, the playoff. He, he officiated at the P- Patriots Chargers game on January 13th, and he was a backup referee at the Super Bowl. So he can't talk about different plays. He can't he, by, by, uh, NFL rules. He's not allowed to. But the, the story of how he came to this and what some of his experiences have been, it's just a, it's a great feature. If you like sports and football, it's a great feature. It is indeed more on uh, attracting meetings and conventions, needing some hotel rooms within walking distance of Kobo and lots more. It's in the current issue of Crane's Detroit Business. Hot off the presses, March 18th through the 24th. Go to cranesdetroit.com. And Mary Kramer, always a pleasure. Thank you, Paul W. Mary Kramer is Crane Communications Group publisher here on the Paul W. Smith Show on WJR, brought to you by Varnum Law. Business law experts that are in your corner. Visit VarnumLaw.com, V-A-R-N-U-M, VarnumLaw.com.